Welcome to Launch It Girl, where business coach, marketing strategist, and ex-corporate leader, Kenzie Mackis, will show you how to launch, market, and scale a business and brand that feels authentically you, leveraging her proven framework for getting known, seen, and heard online so that you can overcome perfectionism, feelings of imposter syndrome and confusion, and finally launch yourself into a life full of abundance and freedom. Welcome back to another episode of Launch It Girl Podcast. Guys, I have my first male guest speaker today. Hey, Anton, say hey to everybody. <laughs> what is going on, everybody? And what is going on, Kenzie? Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I'm the first male guest on this podcast. That's awesome. That's right. Oh my gosh. Because what I realized is I think it's so important to hear different perspectives, different stories. And I don't want to be inclusive to women, but obviously we attract so many women, but I know you also serve a lot of women in your space. So I wanted to have you on, but also Anton is emceeing our upcoming event, which is so fun. I've never had or hired an MC before. We're up here doing the, the air fist pumps and, and raising the roof. This is going to be so fun. And Anton's going to come in and really help us facilitate our event. And if you're not at this training experience, you guys get your tickets. We're kicking off here in a couple days and it's going to be so fun. But Anton Gray is a business growth strategist. And when I first uh, met him, somebody actually referred me to Anton because I was looking for this MC position. I'm like, where do I even find an MC? And somebody like totally tagged you a couple times actually. And we totally hit it off that first experience. Um, you told me a little bit more about what you do. And I know we have, again, overlapping spaces. And so anyway, I would love for my listeners to know more about you and what you do and who you help. For sure. For sure. Juan Kenzie, thank you again for, for having me, man. I, I uh, don't take these opportunities lightly. I know, you know, you've got your audience and you got to be protective as to who you introduced them to. So I'm, I'm honored to be here. As Kenzie mentioned, my name is Anton Gray. I'm a business growth strategist and I've been so for the last couple of years. Before that, I was in corporate as a business consultant on the tech side. I did about 16 plus years on the corporate side doing the consulting gig. Former military, I spent also 15 years in both the Army and the Air Force uh, doing operations and training in the, in the military as well. And my entrepreneurial story, man, actually, before I do that, I, like Kenzie, work with women as well. I work with speakers and coaches and just kind of help them simplify their business so that they can scale it beyond six figures without the constant feeling of being overworked and overwhelmed. And so we do a lot of that through implementing backend systems and automations and processes uh, in their business. And I too work with women mainly because women are powerful, man. You, women are like the biggest group of entrepreneurs that I love working with just because it's the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. Plus I have an incredible respect for women as a dad of four kids that walk past me each and every day for the simplest things. They will skip over me and go straight to mom. So as a mompreneur, man, I don't know how, how you women do it. You guys are superheroes in my book. But anyway, so my entrepreneur story starts, man, when I was eight years old, believe it or not. My dad and mom were entrepreneurs. They owned barbershops and beauty salons. And I spent every single day there. Like after school, he'd pick me up. I'd go back to the barbershop. And he said, one, one day he said, kid, you want to work? I said, sure, why not? I'm going to be here anyways. Why not get paid for it? And so we had a deal. He was supposed to pay me $5 a day, right? So I was... A, pretty good at math, $25 a week. My dad, not so much. He wasn't that good at math. So the money would always come up short. He'd be like, kid, I just paid you your allowance and this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, dad, I love you. But if is this is what work is about, 
and you as my first boss, you suck as a boss, right? So I love my dad, but he sucked as a boss. But anyway, that kind of left a taste in my mouth to where I was just like, all right, if I want to make money, how am I going to make money, right? Because my dad's obviously not going to pay me. He's going to tell me it's a family business. And so I kind of created Uber Eats before Uber Eats. The barbers were also terrible at math. They jam-packed their schedule. And I'd make lunch runs. I'd walk to the corner shop, get a sandwich. They'd give me a $10 bill. And that's when I learned my three favorite words. Keep the change, right? $10 bill for $5 sandwich times 10 barbers in the shop, sometimes more than that, depending on the day. It adds up pretty quick. And so that's kind of when the entrepreneur bug bit me. And that's where it all started, where I really figured out that if you can or are willing to solve problems for people or do something that people usually wouldn't want to do or have the time to do, then there's an opportunity to make money within that. And so that's kind of where the entrepreneur bug bit me. But I went the corporate route, college. It just wasn't for me. That entrepreneur bug was just kept calling. And so I just jumped ship, left a multiple six-figure salary, and everybody thought I was crazy. But here we are, fast forward today. I get to talk with cool people like Kenzie. Oh, so good. I'm curious, though, like just hearing this story again, you know, having the entrepreneurial bug, but still going through the traditional educational system, right? And that traditional path for professionalism. And you were in the corporate space for 16 years, right? So why, or tell us a little bit more about some of the feelings or thoughts you were experiencing, even though you're kind of hardwired for entrepreneurship, but you hadn't quite made that leap. What was stopping you and, or kind of, you know, making you believe that maybe it wasn't time yet? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, although my parents were entrepreneurs, they still steered me in a direction that they didn't go, right? The whole, you know, the idea, the American dream, right? Go to school, get a great job, all of that. That's what they steered in me. So, you know, although I got to see entrepreneurship, they wanted the other way for me. And I think too, because they understood how challenging it was. They had some good months, they had some down months. And going through that challenge, I didn't think that they wanted that for me, uh, right? Because we're sold the quote unquote job security thing, right? And so I believed in that for a long time, but even while I was in the corporate world, I didn't mesh with the culture of the corporation, right? And I had friends joke me and they were just like, dude, you're like a corporate thug. I'm just like, what do you mean by that? But what they meant by that was that, you know, I wasn't one to always play by the rules. I was always asking why and questioning things. And I would never really just take things for, you know, for the sake of just taking it as it comes. Like I always wanted to know more And sometimes that wasn't as welcomed in the corporate world when you're questioning the authority as to why we're doing things a certain way or whatever the case may be. And I I really didn't fit into it with the ass kissing culture. I hated that. I absolutely hated that because there were times where I was overlooked for certain promotions or certain positions, right? Because I wasn't buddy buddy with whoever the particular manager was. And oftentimes it came back to me challenging a certain way of us doing things because I, you know, I I just, I like to be open-minded about new ways to do, do things. And so over the years that just kind of really chipped away at me. And I, like I said, I still had a feeling that dude, you're not supposed to be here. Like there's so much more that you can do. And even while I was in corporate, I was always side hustling. I had like all different side businesses. You know, I had a promotions company to where, well, this was actually right after college. I was kind of a big partier, I guess, right? And so the natural thing was to do club promotions. And so I started an event company to where we would plan events and parties and limos and all of that good stuff. So I was always side hustling. I still was kind of making money for myself. But over the years, man, I got to a point to where I started dealing with stress and anxiety without even really realizing it. Like I started feeling weird as hell. And I'm just like, what 
in the world is going on and to the point where you know over the last two years of my corporate career every time i'd reach for the office door i'd have a fit of anxiety that would come over me and it would feel like like i had almost just gotten a car crash and swerved back into my lane like that oh crap i just died moment and that would be like the first 10 minutes of every single work day and so i started to listen to those signs and even back to the job security thing, in the environment that I was in, it was like a lot of contractual positions. Being a consultant, we work on different contracts for different companies. The whole job security thing was gone out the window when I lost my job three years in a row, no fault of my own. Just they would come to us and say, Anton, you know, I hate to inform you, but they didn't renew the contract. We've got 30 days to find something else. Right. And so the first time it happened, I was just like, oh, crap, got to go home. My wife, my wife's probably going to kill me. The kids are going to think I'm a failure. Right. But then it happened again. Then it happened again. I'm just like, what is going on? But that that kind of just erased the whole thing of job security for me. I'm like, at the end of the day, it's it's not really secure. It's a facade that we believe in and that I was believing in. And I was just like, you know what, dude, you got to wake up like something's got to give. Oh, my gosh. So back to the moment where the stress and anxiety is building. And I think it's so progressive, but slow that I yeah. think some people don't even know it's there because it kind of creeps up over time. Yeah. But I think there's that, we all have that moment where it's like, I can't feel like this anymore. And when you talk about opening the doors to your office and those feelings can totally relate to that in those t- first 10 minutes of the day. I remember after having our third baby going back to work after maternity leave, I cried every day on my way to work and I would have to pack makeup and sit in my, in the parking lot of my office building and like fix my makeup. Cause it was like, just became habit and routine for me to do this thing. But at yeah. some point it's like, okay, enough is enough. What was it for you that you were like, you couldn't live this way anymore that you weren't meshing in this environment, right? Like most entrepreneurs don't. How did you kind of figure out what was next for you in this business environment? I call this kind of like the launch it girl moment, but like the launch it dude moment, right? Like when did you decide just to go all in on something and how did you figure out what that something was? Hmm. That's a good question. To be honest. Yeah. It it really was just a screw it, just do it moment. I had been contemplating for a while and taking everybody else's feelings and thoughts into consideration other than mine. And so I was just like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, the only person whose opinion that I really care about is my wife's, right? Like either she's going to leave me or, or whatever the case may be. So let me just make sure that if I do this, she won't leave me. And so she gave me that support to be able to do it. And I did a lot of things. Like I said, I was always a side hustler, man. So I had a lot of things going for me and I was like, I can do this or I can do that, or I can do this. And, you know, I started dabbling in internet marketing probably for about the last six or seven years of my corporate career. So I knew a little bit about marketing. I learned a lot there, but there was still that unsured moment, right? To where, dude, you're about to leave behind a solid six-figure salary where all you got to do really is, I hate to say it, but you just got, you got to show up and do a little bit of work and they'll give it to you. But it was also too, when I had my fourth child, they said, take as much time as you need. And, you know, it was definitely a huge adjustment from, you know, three to four, wherever we were. Now it's a big circus around here. But making that adjustment, they said, take as much time as you want. But then when I found out the contract had changed over, whatever the case may be, the new people came in and they made a big deal about me being out on fraternity leave. And they started just 
emailing me constantly and calling my phone. And I'm just like, dude, like, can I have my peace? Like, I'm not there. You're not even paying me right now. So why this back and forth? And so when I got back, like I said, there was still a lot of animosity that took the amount of time off that I did. And that was for my family. Just having that, you know, I was almost viewed as like an outsider. He's not for us or whatever the case may be. And like I said, that whole corporate culture, it, it just didn't gel. And it just was one of the last straws that broke the camel's back for me was when I got back, the new company was saying, hey, we need you to kind of smooth with the boss a little bit to kind of earn us some good grace. And I was just like, hell no. Like, not sure if you know who I am, like, but that's not me. I'm a very respectful person. I expect everybody to act the same, but I'm not gonna kiss ass. You just essentially said, Anton, can you kiss the boss's ass so that we can get some good favor? And I'm just like, no, that's not, that's not for me. And that's when I was just like, you know what? This culture I've got to get out of because if not now, then when? And so even when I made the jump, I got a coach. That was the thing. I, I jumped, I was floundering. I had no backup plan. I don't advise anybody to do it that way. But, you know, my anxiety subsided once I made the jump. And even still in the entrepreneur days, you have those up and down days. Some months you do great. Some days you do great. Other times it's just like, oh crap, what's next? Who's hiring? Like they're going to come take the house and the cars, right? So it's always that up and down, that emotional roller coaster. But for me, I got a coach that kind of guided me and it said, dude, these are your superpowers. Here's what you're good at. One, two, and three. And this is how you can help people. And it gave me a ton of clarity. I think this is a common theme I've heard from a lot of people that are successful now in that transition is they hired a coach. They didn't wait right? Until they had enough money or enough experience to hire a coach, like the sooner the better. You know, I yeah. tell the story all the time. I put 12,000 down on a coach before my business was even making any money, but it was cause like, I, I knew that I needed to take a big risk. And part of that was just like investing in myself before I felt like I was ready. So I love that you said that. I love this story. And I think it sounds like there's just moments in time that just started to accumulate. And then you just sort of had this awakening where you're like, what am I even doing? Right. And I think we all can resonate with that, but you decided to take action. And like, that is so cool. And I love what you said. If not now, then when? right? If not now, then when? And also I think some people could get stuck in the feeling of like, it's too late, right? 16 years into my career. Well, it's too late. I'm stuck here already. Did you have feelings like that? Almost. Yeah, I kind of did only, like I said, I I had reached, you know, a, a definite level where I was just like, this is good. I can get comfortable here. But, but it was just, you know, to the point where I was just like, is my peace worth this check? Right? Like the things that I'm holding on to, are keeping me away from the things that could be. If anybody's listening and they're considering making the jump or whatever the case may be, or you've got some kind of weird feeling or that inner voice is starting to get louder and louder, I did a ton of personal development. That for me was the thing. The last you know year and a half, literally every day, I'd listen to some type of motivational speaker or watch a video or whatever the case may be. Uh, one of my favorites was Les Brown. And he tells a story about if you're on your deathbed, right? Usually you're surrounded by your your family and your friends, but he talks about it in a sense of imagine if your dreams, everything that, that was in your head that you thought of doing, you know, your hopes and your dreams were around your deathbed as you're dying. And they're, they're saying, we came to you. You could have bought us a life, but now we're forced to die with you, right? And so, like I said, after I had my kids, that kind of just really shifted my mind. And I started thinking about that more and more, right? And, and the uncertainty, I lost a lot of, you know, a lot of my close friends, 
you know, and I'm still in my thirties and here we are, a lot of my close friends, they're no longer with me due to death. So I'm just like, just like job security, life is uncertain as well. Right. And so you start to think about those little things. And I'm just like, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, what will I say I have done? I went to work, I made a check, right? And, and earned a living. For me, that wasn't living. And so I just kind of started shifting my mind to thinking bigger about what could possibly be, right? And still going forward, think always thinking about that. And that, that can change. But just saying, listen, if I'm here on earth, as long as I can wake up, open my eyes, you know, inhale, exhale, then there's still, there's still another shot to, to do what I'm here to do. And so that kind of drives me. So good. I, I got goosebumps all over. I think so good. Anything for you, it was living in that space of what if in opportunity rather than focus on what if of failure or lack yeah. or fear, right? And that's, yeah. we constantly have to like shift over to this abundant side, the opportunity side, like not operating from worst case scenarios. So I love yeah. that you said that. Let's shift a little bit. I think you have this training around igniting life into new or struggling business owners, but tell us more about what that looks like. For sure, for sure. So, you know, I told you I'm ex-military, right? So I'm a fan of acronyms. Acronyms, just if, if you know anything about the military or the government, everything, you can create a whole sentence with just acronyms. So I love acronyms. And for me, life is an acronym, right? Just the, the term life. Life continuously teaches us things each and every day that we're able to experience it. And so I broke life down as kind of a four-step process to get started, right? To spark life into whatever it is you're trying to do to where each letter stands for something. I'll walk you through real quick. So the L stands for learn and leverage. So it's two parts. Learning is kind of the first deal, right? But I think when we get started, I know for me, like learning can also be a trap, right? You get on YouTube, you get in this course and that course, and you're constantly learning, learning, learning. And as soon as you learn one thing, the biggest thing that you learn about that thing is that you need to learn another thing, right? And another thing and another thing. And it creates this ongoing cycle but I say, you know, focus on one thing, maybe two, that you absolutely have to know in order to take that first step to move forward, right? Because if you constantly focus on everything that you don't know, you'll be in that learning black hole forever. Now, for the things that you don't know, I say leverage, right? Leverage people, leverage resources, leverage other people's times. Like there's so much out there that we can use to leverage in spite of the things that we may not know or the, or the things that we don't have at that particular moment. So the L stands for learn and leverage. The I stands for implement, but implement intelligently, right? So it's one thing to learn something, but it's another thing to do it, right? And so one of the best ways to actually learn something is to do it. And so, you know, take that one thing that you focused on learning and implement it right away, right? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you're going to find out whether it works or not. But I say implement intelligently too, right? Because this is a, an online space. We've got information coming at us 7 million miles an hour. Like anything that you want to know, you can find it, right? Just a few clicks of a button. It's easy to get out and see what everybody else is doing on the internet. Ooh, Kenzie's doing that. Ooh, Anton's doing that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try this. And right, so I say implement intelligently, meaning do one thing at a time, right? And put some kind of measurement behind it. Put some kind of metrics behind it, some type of thing that you can analyze whether it's actually working or not. Because if you implement 40 things at a time, something might work and you won't even realize it is working because these other 30 things are failing, right? So that's why I say implement and implement intelligently. 
Then the F is one of my favorite F words. I got a few favorite F words, all right? So you know. if you want to know them, just reach out to me. I can share them with you. But for this particular instance, the F stands for fail, right? It's probably the scariest thing in the book. And Kenzie, this is kind of what you were talking about, right? Oftentimes, whenever we're about to do something, we think of all of the what ifs, right? But usually, like you said, we, we lean towards the negative what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? You know, what if I fail? What if, what are people going to think? I mean, we lean towards all of that, right? But, you know, I say fail. I use the bike analogy. If we were scared to fail, like I'd probably create a business where I'm patching jeans or something because all adults would be crawling around if we'd be scared to fall again, right? But you got to get out and fail. It's, it's like, you know, when you first ride a bike, you get on and you pedal and you fall, right? If you don't get back on that bike, then you're never going to learn to ride a bike, right? But the, the beauty of it is, you know, when you get on that bike, you pedal and then you fall or you, you get off and you don't pedal and then you fall and you're like, you know what? Maybe I should pedal. So next time you pedal. Then you, you wiggle the handlebars and you lean too far left and you fall again. Now you're like, maybe I shouldn't lean left. Maybe I should try to stay balanced, right? But as you're going through, you're learning and you're failing your way forward to learning to success. And so as you go through this process, it brings us to the E, which is experience, right? An elevated level of thinking towards whatever you're failing at, right? So every time you fall, like I was going through the example, you learn something about the process. I forgot to pedal. Maybe I shouldn't have leaned so far left. Maybe I shouldn't have pulled the handlebars, right? And that's experience that you can put into what I call the experience bank, right? You put that in your experience bank. Now you have a reference point. Now you have an elevated level of thinking about that one thing. So just that bike example, we're going through. Now we realize, okay, in order to be successful at this, we've got to pedal. We've got to stay balanced. We've got to keep the handlebars straight, right? And it's all because we've got those experiences now in our experience bank. And we can go right back at it just with an elevated level of thinking. Pedal, balance, don't pull the handlebars, check, what else, right? And so every time we fall, we learn something new that we can kind of elevate our level of thinking and just keep going back at it until you succeed. And that's kind of the four-step process I use for sparking life, so to speak. Oh, it's so good. There's so much there that I could totally like jam on for a really long time. And I think this could apply to any level business that you're in, especially as you're getting going. And there's a couple things that I want to point out. I love that you said the learning piece is important, but also can be a trap. I think we hear a lot of entrepreneurs just consuming, like being consuming information hoarders, right? Just like, I need to know more, right? I need to listen to more podcasts. I need to take more courses, et cetera. But actually the implementation is kind of like closing the loop on that learning behavior. Like, okay, I'm going to actually take this and and see what this looks like in my business, in my life. And let's adjust from there. That implementation piece is like so critical, right? That is where the actual learning comes from when we take an idea and like run with it, right? In the implementation phase. So I love that. And then the willingness to fail. Failing we're taught is so bad, right? It's this negative word, but like This is what it's about. It's just about, like you said, failing forward and then looking at it as an opportunity to adjust and pivot. If we never um, had the quote unquote failure, there's no room to move forward. There's no room for growth and evolve and, and those experiences. This is so good, Anton. I think there's a lot here to take, I think from a big picture, but also like in the nitty gritty, like what are you working on today? And do a gut check. Are you absorbing too much information? Is it time to put yourself into action? Is it time to overcome kind of this failure 
idea that you have and just like totally embrace it, right? Like it's okay. And then how can you use that to totally like evolve your brand, your business and evolve your experiences? Like that is so good, Anton. Thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you got something out of it. I hope people take something away from it. I use it every day, even still in, in, in with my client's business, with my business, just because, you know, I do a show similar to this and the more entrepreneurs I bring on, it's like the successful entrepreneurs chase that failure. Like, it's almost like that's the goal. I mean, it, you know, in the end it's to succeed, but they chase their failures and they get to them faster and they're just like constantly learning. And so I bring entrepreneurs on similar to you to learn from them. I'm just like, man, these are seven and eight and, and nine figure people and they're constantly failing each and every day, even still. And so, you know, I, I think you're right. We've, we've got a, a negative thinking towards failure. It's that red pen, right? Remember the red pen from grade school? Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. hated it because they would mm-hmm. have to take it home to their parents and they probably get in trouble. And so, yeah, we, whenever we see that red pen and we think of failure, it, it kind of brings us back to those moments. Totally. Yeah. It's like ingrained in us, right? That feeling is bad as entrepreneurs and, you know, even in the corporate space, that is ingrained in us, right? Like making mistakes and things like that, getting slapped on the hand, but like entrepreneurs, you really can't carry over that mentality. And like you said, we, the quicker you can work towards the failures, air quotes, the quicker that you'll succeed. So I love that. So I have a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and find you. But yeah, I just, just a couple fun questions. Let's do it. All right. So best book you've ever read. Ooh, best book I've ever read. I've got to give two. I'm sorry, I've got to get two. So the best book I've ever read, I love Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eckert. I love that book. That was one of like the, the earlier books that I read. I'm not even like the biggest and strongest reader. Like I, I've probably read more in the past six months than I did my whole college career, but Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. The other one that I just finished was Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Oh. I absolutely love it. I told you I'm somewhat of a rule breaker. And this one goes against a lot of the common thought processes that most people have towards certain things. So I, if, if you're into books, I love those too. Awesome. I'm going to have to, that's the second time that book has been recommended in the last week. So I'll have to check that out. Share a limiting belief that you've had to overcome about yourself. Ooh, I'll talk about imposter syndrome. When I got started, that is so, so real. I still deal with it today, you know, just because I'm constantly like you, I have a coach. I'm a business growth strategist and coach, but I have a coach. So I'm kind of elevating and getting into larger circles. And as you get into these larger circles, you see how amazing people are. And you kind of have, you know, that, that, that internal thing, like, should I even be here? And so that's one thing that I'm constantly working on, but it's, it's a good and a bad thing. I'm starting to shift my mind towards this is good, right? Because this is the start of something bigger and better. Um, but when I get in those rooms with those people, like I said, you know, I'm not nowhere near the level that I want to be, but when I'm with them, I definitely have imposter syndrome. Like, dude, what the hell are you doing here? What can you even contribute to this room? And why are you here? So that's one thing that I still deal with on a, on an everyday basis. Oh, ditto. And I hear this all the time. And I think people think that this is just something, a byproduct of being a new entrepreneur. And I hear that this comes up in every phase of growth for everybody. And I'm glad that you said that about when you're in a room and you have that gut reaction of like, I don't belong here. It's more of an indicator that you belong there because you never want to be the smartest person in the room. Right. And so I love that you said that you always want to strategically place yourself in rooms where you might feel like you don't belong, but you absolutely do. So thank you for saying that. 
Okay, best time management tip for busy working entrepreneurs, especially if they're still juggling full-time work. This is good because this too is not something that I'm the strongest at. And so for me, checklists are my thing. I think just because too, like I said, in auditing, when I used to do auditing and when I used to do consulting and we would have to go through, you know, the whole project management piece, checklists were what kept me straight. And so for me, what I kind of do, I, I try to plan my weeks where I just have, I've got whiteboards all over my house. If you see one behind me, there's one in my bathroom, one in, the, in my office, but I do a lot of brain dumps. And then what I take from those brain dumps is kind of make my weekly list. And then I break those down into like the top three things that I want to accomplish each and every day. And I try to stay focused on that. Notice I said try as a, you know, it's, it's an ongoing process, but for me, checklist help, not maybe not necessarily time management, but in a, in a, uh, in terms of completion and getting things done. So good. I love that you said completion, right? That is the key. So good. Okay. If you had to start your business all over again, what would you do differently? I probably would definitely hire a coach sooner and work on focus more than anything to be able to block out the noise. Like I said, it's, it's easy to get caught in this internet world and, you know, well, understanding the difference between kind of like admiration and, and noise, right? Because I, there, I've got some of my favorite marketers out there. I've got some of my favorite coaches. And, you know, what I did, I would buy their course to buy their course, right? And I get caught up in the learning. Now, when I buy courses, I, I have kind of shifted my focus to study the process, right? And so now for me, it's not about the learning. It's not about any of that. But I would have fixed my focus and changed my focus earlier, hired a coach to help me make the determination as to what I should focus on. And I would start focusing on that a lot earlier. So good. Oh, I love that. That's a really good nugget. Okay. Last question. Are you morning bird or night owl? Hmm. I'm a mix. I'm a mix. And, and the reason for that is, so I used to be a morning bird, right? I Like for, for me, it was just like, you know what? I want to get into the building before everybody else comes in here. Cause half the time I'm not really wanting to deal with everybody. Let me get in, get my work done so I can get out early and have the rest of my day. You know, I was in it for a while. Sometimes I would do the late nights and I wouldn't get to see my kids. So I was like, listen, if I don't get to see them in the morning, then at least I get to play with them in the afternoon. And so I did that. But when I made the jump to entrepreneurship, I was like, screw that. I can do what I want. I'm sleeping until whenever. Right. And so I kind of go back and forth. I don't have like a, you know, that, that routine so to speak. Cause like I said, I've got four kids. It's a hell of a circus around here, right? I can plan as much as I want, but there's nothing that throws your plan off than a naked toddler running around with like a weapon or something. Right. But so, I so I, I, I've got to be flexible when I know that I've got to get things done. I'll get up in the morning if I can, like if I want to work out or I want to read or meditate or something like that. But other times when I'm in a crunch and I know that there's some work that got to get done, then I'm okay with burning in midnight oil. So I'm, I'm a flex between the two. I'm a Gemini as well. So maybe that plays into it. Maybe. I think it's a parent thing too, especially with younger kiddos. You do have to be flexible. And yeah. I know I got a lot of mom listeners that feel like they need to have more of a routine. But I think you have at some point be able to accept that flexibility. Because like you said, naked toddlers will happen on the daily. So I love that. That's so funny. 
All right, Anton, this was so good. There's so many nuggets here that I know that my listeners will be able to take away and implement today. And just thank you for blessing us with your energy and your wisdom and your vulnerability and honesty. I think that's so, so important. I'm so excited for you to emcee this event with us. It's going to be so good. But where can people find you? Simple. They can just head over to my website, antongray.com, A-N-T-O-N-G-R-A-Y.com. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks, Anton, for being here. It was such a pleasure. For sure. My pleasure. Guys, I want to see all of you at the event. If you haven't got your ticket to this event, you have to get your ticket. So good. All right. Thanks, Anton. If you liked what you heard today and want to continue the conversation, join us in the Facebook community. Just go to launchitgirlpodcast.com. Can't wait to see you in there.